Hey everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. Today's episode is about helping reduce your pup's impact on the planet. I chat with Tracy Rosensteel all about her product to replace single-use dog waste bags, as well as some other practical ways to have a zero waste pet. We talk food options, buying secondhand, and the effects of oxybiodegradable plastics and what they're doing to our planet. I hope this episode is helpful to all you lovely dog owners out there, and if you have more resources, tips, and tricks, then what we covered today, do be in touch, and we'll share your tips on our social platforms. Time to learn all about having a zero-waste pet. Let's go. I'm from Chicago. Originally, I've been out in New York for about 13 years. I have spent roughly 22 years selling and supporting mission-critical trading floor technology in Wall Street. Whoa. So very, very different from <laughs> the and I've also started and run a few other side hustles, I guess you could call them. So I, I actually own a globally filmed and nationally airing travel television show that was four years running on PBS. The name of it is In Pursuit of Passion. Just recently got picked up on Amazon Prime. It's kind of a travel biography, I guess, or travel series or docu-series, I guess you could say, of people around the world who live their lives in pursuit of their dreams. Cool. So each episode, yeah, it, it was, and a lot of fun, certainly, to work on. Each episode, albeit somewhere around the globe, uh, Africa, for example, Greece, Switzerland, Italy, the U.S., uh, we filmed pretty much all over the place. Each episode was certainly about where we were and what we were doing, but more importantly, the subject of each episode was able to share his or her own passion in life and whatever dream, talent, vision, goal that they had and just refused to give up against any odd or any adversity. So it was a lot of fun. Very inspirational television. What a cool thing to start. Thank you. And then how long have you had pets? Because your um, company is focused on pets. You've mentioned that you have dogs. Uh, at the same time, you had a traveling show for quite a long time. That would have been hard to have pets at the same time, eh? Yes, exactly. So I uh, bought my first and only pet. Uh, Indiana Jones is his name. He's mm-hmm. an eight-year-old French bulldog. Um, I bought him as a puppy. And just when we were finished actually wrapping up the first season of filming. So, uh, But since then, he's been back and forth overseas with me literally about 30 times. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, so I've had Indy for, for eight years. And so at what point did Pooch Paper come around? Pooch Paper came around just about three and a half or four years ago in concept only. That kind of kicked off my research and development that took place over the last several years. When I had bought Indy, I live in Manhattan, and of course we've got garbage bins at the end of each corner on every single block that end up being filled basically with single-use plastics and dog waste each and every day and I just got tired of being you know part of the problem as far as Mm -hmm. having single-use plastics be the only option for picking up after your dog commercially so a couple years ago um, I really started to give some serious consideration as far as how might I be able to help fix the problem and become part of the solution and I did a bunch of research as far as what type of alternatives are out there, what kind of paper products are out there, and really trying to find a made-in-the-USA sustainable approach to the issue. And in the same time that I was thinking that, a lot of the legislation around the nation and, frankly, around the globe had picked up from, you know, passing legislation around the use of single-use plastics, Mm -hmm. particularly as it relates to getting groceries. 
And if you think of it, when you go to the grocery store and use a plastic bag, maybe you bring home a handful of them per week or every other week, depending on how big your household is, I suppose. But with the dog, any dog owner would know that you pick up after your dog two, three, four, sometimes more times every single day. Right. So yeah. the focus of reducing plastic and the plastic footprint in landfills as it relates to using a single-use plastic for dogs, it hasn't really been, I guess, part of the focus, and I think it really should be. That's great. Um, as a non-pet owner, but I have a child, I guess, uh-huh. kind of like having a pet. Um, <laughs> As a non-pet owner, I don't really have a sense of the amount of waste that goes into buying products for your pets, um, for everything from food to picking up after them or having a litter box if you have a cat or I don't know (laughs) what you would need for a goldfish. Like that sort of thing, there's, I'm sure, quite a bit more as with care of anything. There's waste involved. And so it's uh, if you're able to like give me a quick overview of the sure. amount of um, products or things that you have to purchase for your pet on a regular basis, just to give me a sense, because I have no idea. <laughs> no problem. Well, what's nice is some of the food suppliers lately have really turned a corner as far as sustainability and even having almost like a farm-to-table solution oh, for wow. delivery, um, you know, for healthy and sustainable pet food to your door, which has been great. But as far as I, I guess I can best speak to the, the dog bag situation, so there are an estimated 22 billion pounds of dog duty drops each year in this country alone. So we'll just focus on the states for a second. So that's a heck of a lot of poop. And there are over 500 million estimated plastic, single-use plastic bags sent to a landfill each year that were used for the, you know, waste removal for dogs. So my thought was, you know, again, I know that people have tried to address the issue. There are certainly, quote-unquote, eco-friendly products on the market today, Mm -hmm. the biggest of which include oxy-biodegradables and bioplastics. So the issues, and those are it, really, were the first ones in this capacity to be on the market with, you know, a paper alternative that's already recycled non-chlorine bleach paper, which is in turn 100% compostable and 100% biodegradable, even in your backyard compost versus the required industrial grade compost that's, you know, necessary for every other eco-friendly product that's on the market right, today. Yeah. But what we're really trying to address is consumer reports came out a couple months ago, uh, earlier in 2020. And their cover story was all about how humans ingest a credit card size amount of plastic every single week. What? And the reason for this, part of the contribution to that, is oxobiodegradable plastics and even bioplastics, when they break down, so the, the uh, oxobiodegradable, for example, they're injected with an element called EPI when they're being manufactured, and that allows the bag to actually be broken down a lot quicker. It hastens the process. Mm. But when it does, it breaks those plastic bags into hundreds of millions of microplastic particles. So those enter the air we breathe, the water we drink, the land that you know animals eat from, et cetera, and eventually makes its way to every single part of the food chain. And it's wow. really becoming an issue. Again, if, <laughs> if we're ingesting in one way, shape, or form a credit card size amount of plastic every week, there's a problem. Even National Geographic last year had come out with a, its findings for a survey that they had done, and 
seven remote mountain ranges. The paper they had put together that was published is titled Microplastics Are Raining Down from the Sky. And what they had done is in seven remote mountain ranges where there are no people, there are no plastics, they did a measurement of the air quality and the parts per million of plastic in the air, and it was off the charts. So that, you know, the issue with these single-use plastics that are really contaminating the planet, I figured there's a huge rise in dog ownership, particularly post-COVID or during this pandemic. I think most of the shelters are empty, which is nice (laughs) because most people have, yeah, fostered dogs and taken furry friends home with them to help them cope with this uh, lockdown moment, which which is nice for, you know, on both sides of the fence. But that rise then in these plastic bag use for picking up after your animal is just going to continue to compound and then of course the side effects from it so yeah so that's kind of how it came about that's the best I can speak to as far as waste is concerned you know with what you need to buy your animal Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the biggest thing that we're trying to tackle is the whole microplastic issue there's so much confusion when it comes to bioplastics and oxybiodegradable plastics where it feels like the right thing it feels like the the better option to put and it's and it's hard eh? like uh, for people who are hearing this and realizing for the first time that maybe their biodegradable dog bag option isn't even then the best choice like and maybe isn't even a better choice than something that's just going to stay in one piece and not get into our airway and our waterways and our land and our animals it's kind of a frustrating conversation because here we are thinking that we're doing the right thing and it's actually just making the problem worse of uh, microplastics everywhere That's yeah insane. exactly let me add to that real quick so sure. you mentioned bioplastics and i know i brought it up before so the night the positive i guess or the pro in buying and using bioplastics is that on the manufacturing end of the spectrum instead of utilizing uh, fossil fuels and, you know, mitigating that resource, bioplastics do use renewable energy sources, which is great. So um, things like corn and starch and other proteins. So that's really good from just a resource and sustainability and viability standpoint. And then also because it's natural um, resources that were used and renewable energy sources, it breaks down in the ground a lot easier However, it requires those, they're still plastic, so they're used with recycled plastic um, Mm -hmm. beads, basically. So it's still a plastic product. So when it does degrade, it lets off a toxin by nature being plastic. That's number one. Number two is for those types of bags to truly break down the way that they're, you know, marketed, they need to have a certain amount of light and air and moisture for them to be able to do that. And obviously in a landfill environment, there's no way to control that mm-hmm. environment. And then the third issue, and this is for any plastic inclusive of bioplastics, is when you put animal waste inside a plastic bag and then bury it, you create methane gas. Yeah. And methane gas has been proven to be 87% more toxic than carbon dioxide in its first two years of release. Wow. So it's just, it's literally, you know, problem compounded by problem. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> so 
We'll get to your um, product solution really quickly, but should dog and cat waste, similar to food waste and organics, should they really be going to landfill um, or does it cause this increase in methane because the landfill is not the proper environment for it to break down? And Well, yeah. the waste by itself is fine in landfill. It's just like if it were, you know, waste in the forest, for example, or, you know, that's a totally natural byproduct, right? So the issue becomes when you put that waste inside something that does not break down properly and mm-hmm. can only frustrate the environment and the landfill environment because it's clogged with plastic, for example. Right. So the fact that the waste is wrapped in plastic in any case, like they've talked about how um, you dig through the layers of a landfill and you can find like a whole head of cabbage or a whole head of cauliflower or something that's un touched it's basically just moldy but not broken down because it can't break down because it needs a certain environment so if you're putting food waste in the landfill or pet waste in the landfill it's not actually breaking down because it's not in the right circumstances for it to do so so where should people be putting pet waste alternatively should we get to that yet, or do you want to talk about Pooch Paper first? Uh, no, sure. We could we can get to that. So, I mean, technically, the most clean way of picking up after your pet if you live in a city environment, frankly, is to bring it home and flush it down your toilet. <laughs> so, and that, that's not to say flush a plastic bag down the toilet or even my product down the toilet. It's simply the waste by itself. If you really wanted to get green, you would pick up the waste and then bring it home and drop it out of whatever you carried it home in and flush it down the toilet. That is, in the city environment, the best, cleanest way to get rid of your dog's waste. The next best thing, in my opinion, would be to use something organic in order to pick up and throw away your dog's waste that ends up, of course, in a landfill, etc. And at the moment, the only product as such is pooch paper, and we can get into that in a little bit. Sure. As so... far as someone living in the suburbs or forest or what have you, if you're able to dispose of the waste on its own in a forest-type environment, that's obviously a great and clean and natural way to get rid of the waste as well, provided, you know, your neighbors aren't walking around <laughs> and yeah. having the potential of stepping in it. But I'm talking people who have acreage upon acreage. The best thing then would just be to leave it, you know, in its own element, natural element to, to degrade on its own. Now, what pooch paper does enable, uh, if you're using pooch paper to pick up, for example, we do, we are 100%, as I mentioned, compostable and biodegradable. So if you were to pick up after your dog and, or cat for that matter, and bury the pooch paper along with the waste in your backyard compost, it will degrade within several weeks to a month, depending on moisture, et cetera, you know, if it's rainy season or dry season. Etc. But that's a hundred percent natural. Now, I wouldn't suggest, as nobody would suggest, to put animal waste in a compost where you're growing vegetables, for example, because we all know that animal waste can carry pathogens and things of that nature. So it's not a function of the paper itself; it's a function of the poop that you don't want going into the compost where you're growing, you yeah. know, garden vegetables where you're eating them, for example. I have also heard um, you mentioned flushing dog waste i've also Uh heard in terms of cats that are outdoor cats that are uh, coming in contact with all kinds of different things that their waste can contain something called toxoplasma and that is not something that should be flushed um, because it is hard to remove from our 
our waterways. So just as a, I have heard that it's okay for dogs and not for cats, and I'm, I don't know much more than that. If you know anything about that, then we can talk about it. Otherwise, I will direct Faithful to uh, some research that I'll try to include in the show notes, just as far as dealing with cat waste. Um, unless your cat is strictly an indoor cat, uh, it is not recommended that you flush that. Um, so tell me a little bit about right. your product as a solution to um, avoiding single-use plastics. What do you do instead? So Pooch Paper is a little background as far as where it comes from and the sustainability, et cetera, is um, our paper is manufactured up in Maine and in the U.S. So the paper we use is 100, it's already recycled non-chlorine bleach paper fibers that are manufactured at a carbon neutral facility using renewable energy. So the paper itself is 100% biodegradable and 100% compostable. And the grease-resistant coating that's on both sides of the sheet of paper, so the dog's duty remains inside the paper and not in your hand, is created during a pulp drying process. So unlike some other papers that have grease-resistant coating that's added later as a chemical additive, that is not true in the case of Pooch Paper. So it's one of the most green solutions out there on the market today as far as paper goes. The way to use it is, so our retail boxes have 12 by 12, that's 12 inches by 12 inches sheet. And you, what we call take, twist, and toss. So you pick up the waste by taking it with the piece of paper, Mm -hmm. twisting the corners of the grease-resistant edges around the waste, and then tossing. And because of the grease-resistant coating on the paper, the paper itself stays sealed. So, you know, if you were to pick up with a plastic bag, for example, you would put your hand inside the bag, pick up the waste, reverse out of the bag, and hold the bag up at the top. Mm -hmm. So it's similar in that you pick up the waste, twist the corners to close the paper around the waste, and then you can hold the top of the paper. And we have on our website a couple images and then also an animated video to show you exactly how to use it because it is a bit of a different way to pick up waste. That's great. However, a typical or a standard size plastic bag is actually 9 inches wide by 13 long, where most of the 13 inches are up on your wrist. So when you're picking up, because people think, oh, gosh, it's, I'm going to get waste on my hands <laughs> and I don't see how that's going to be big enough. But they actually find out upon using it, it's a lot easier than fiddling around with a plastic bag. And then it actually provides a lot more surface area, several inches, in fact, to pick up the waste and twist and toss. A couple nice side effects, I guess, that we didn't plan on that was nice to, nice to find out when we launched the product mm-hmm. is when you pick up waste with a plastic bag, it's hot. <laughs> Fresh out of the out of the oven and it, it's hot and kind of gross to touch so <laughs> the booch paper actually doesn't transfer that heat transfer doesn't take place so it's not sure, yeah you don't feel as close to the waste as you would with the plastic bag <laughs> which is it's kind of nice and it's pretty clean and then I also get asked often times what happens when it's, you know, runny. Well, when you pick up a runny poop <laughs> with a plastic bag, you can only do so much, of course, and pick up as much as you can, but there'll always be a remnant on the sidewalk. So the same goes with the poosh paper with the exception of if you know your dog well enough, and I know my dog well enough, and if you're either going to have a runny one or you're in tall grass and it's hard to pick the pieces out of the tall grass, I put the pooch paper down 
underneath them and he goes on the paper and then I just do the reverse as far as picking it up and twisting the corners around the waist and then the waist doesn't even touch the ground wow that's a skill so that's impressive yeah I know (laughs) it's all about how well you know your dog's pooping out that's like (laughs) elimination communication with like your baby (laughs) (laughs) you just gotta know each other Is that something that you would just fold up and put in your pocket when you're out with a out yeah on your walk? Yeah, the dog? great question. So our twelve by twelve sheets are folded in a retail box down to six by six, and you pull them out, fold them down to you know twice, basically three by three, and either put them in your pocket or we also sell a three by three pouch, and that fits roughly twenty. Um, I know a standard plastic bag will fit only fifteen, but they fit roughly 20 pooch papers and they can clip on uh, to your leash or your stroller or your belt buckle, whatever it is you'd like mm-hmm. to clip it on to your dog collar if you'd like. Um, but I like those because even if I have four or five pooch papers inside, I can fit credit cards and keys and things of that nature if I don't have pockets and I'm going for a long walk, for example. Sure. And our supplier for those is also committed to reducing the waste in landfills each year which is great which is why I, I buy from her uh, she's out in California and um, they have you know also a recycled canvas uh, type material that, that they're sounds made awesome. from. great do you have any other recommendations for um, helping your pet care to be as natural and healthy for your pet and uh, for the planet as possible yeah I guess the only area that I've really looked into for being a little bit more eco-friendly by way of planet and then also healthy for my pup, especially as he's nearing his ninth birthday, mm-hmm. is just with the food and treats and what goes into his body because he's getting a little bit older and I obviously would like to prolong his life as best as I can. And on the market today, there are loads of opportunities to feed your dog very much sustainable, you know, not just kibble from the pet store that has loads of preservatives and is meant to sit on a shelf for years and years. But there are a lot of options available to dog owners, such as Holy Chow is the name of an organization that just, they're pretty new to market, actually, in the New York-based. It's a subscription-based model where you can choose your different foods and different protein sources, and then it gets delivered according to, I believe their whole platform is vet-based, which is tremendous. And then there's another one called the Farmer's Dog. Actually, they're New York-based as well, and they've been around for a little bit longer. And I've tried both. I love both. I'm actually um, partnering with Holy Chow coming up shortly this this year. That's great. To make our pooch paper available in their subscription boxes, which is great. But both are equally fantastic they both have different sustainability and kind of farm to table options for creating the best possible solution for your pet 
based on, again, with the Holy Child, for example, it's all vet-based and nutrition, you know, specialist-based as far as dogs are concerned. And then farmer's dog is more industrial kitchen, human-type food made and prepared and then frozen for your dog for, you know, a month at a time. They're also subscription-based. But I've liked them both very much. They both yield a wonderful product. It's sustainable. I know that they're both organizations are also very careful as far as how they choose their packaging and they're constantly trying to find better ways to package and deliver their food that, you know, less of a negative impact on the environment. Wow, great. And if you are not local to New York area and you're looking for something like this, yeah, definitely look into sustainable food options for your pet if, if you're worried about nutrition if you're thinking about just trying to buy something package free lots of bulk stores and pet co-ops will often offer pet food or kibble or even bird seed like depending on like what your pet is um uh, in bulk and you can just purchase it that way um but yeah look into your local co-ops or your bulk food stores to see if they have um, package free options great idea one, sorry, one thing to add about Holy Chow, now that you mentioned sure. the local, non-local, because their kibble is plant-based, and then they have a very fine powder mix that is the protein component of the food, and you can mix and match, so your dog has a bit of a different flavor. Because it's made like that versus a frozen solution sent to your door, they, I believe they ship around the country, if not elsewhere. Okay, great. So they, they're really, if you're local community, and I always say support local, if they don't have a solution or an option, I know that Holy Cow is definitely a, a, a potential. Very good. What are some challenges that you still find you face as a, as a pet owner trying to kind of reduce their impact on the planet? And it, really, it's a human impact still involved because if our pet or if our animals um, were all wild and free and in the world then like they wouldn't have as great an impact on the planet as they would once they become under our care which is a weird feeling because obviously like they're such an important part of our lives we we don't want to think of them as like a burden on the planet just because we love them so much <laughs> but there are ways that yeah I'm sure there's lots of different ways to help reduce their impact but what are some challenges that you still face as a pet owner hmm. if any I mean really the biggest impact I see is with the single-use plastic, mm -hmm. and that goes, you know, for humans and pets alike. Aside mm -hmm. from that, you know, the dishes, everything else that I buy for the dog, I either use for the entire life cycle of the dog, yeah. <laughs> such as leashes and things of that nature, even as dishes are porcelain versus plastic, and that's better anyway for the dog when he's eating, but... Um, yeah, aside from balls that he ends up killing, <laughs> and I have to throw them away and they're plastic, I really don't know how else we could better, I guess, the footprint that they create. Yeah, I wonder, as far as toys go, are there ways mm -hmm. to kind of rethink the toys, knowing, like, if your dog is very rough with toys, I mean, why wouldn't it be? It's a lot of fun to throw a toy around, I'm sure, for a dog. Um, to look into toys that are either made from natural materials that are compostable, like maybe a cotton rope or something that has not been, that they can be really rough with, or if you are expecting them to really 
damage toys, then look for the secondhand market as opposed to buying new every single time. Looking for like more natural materials again, like uh, bones and stuff for them to chew on and like get healthy teeth that way, whatever it is. Um, looking for kind of like alternatives like that versus buying something new and cheaply made shipped from sorry China but China There's, yeah no, yeah that's a great idea yeah that's a wonderful idea for the pre-owned I guess toys the rope chews are fabulous I like those very much because there isn't any plastic in them and mm-hmm. my dog he's a French bulldog so as a bully breed he particularly likes to fight with those yeah. which is nice <laughs> <laughs> And then the bones, you know, there's so many things out there by way of education of what you're buying in a bone. Is it good for them? Is sure, the rawhide right. too bad? These kinds of things. And what I have found to be the best solution in, in that department is a buying him an antler. There's something in the antler itself, the bone marrow or something that's even good, you know, has a, a good side effect for the dog and doesn't harm him. So um, I've been getting into the habit of, well, since he was young, actually, I... I had an antler table in my house. <laughs> I, I couldn't get him to stop chewing. I thought, you know, not fair of me to throw a bag of bones on the floor and say, don't chew that. <laughs> I started buying him antlers after that, and he, and he loves them. Well, that's great. Yeah, looking for doing that kind of research. I know that, like, this conversation is really a starting point for people who are just entering the zero-waste world are hoping to make some sustainable transitions for their pets um, that are in their care. Um, I'm even trying to think of uh, if anybody has, uh, because this conversation was more focused on um, dog pet ownership, then uh, if anybody who's listening has any recommendations for how to reduce the impact of your cat or any other type of animal, then yeah, let us know. You can always send an email to the podcast and I'll, I'll let you know the email at the end of the episode. But is there anything else that you'd like to share about your product or sustainable pet ownership um, that you want to talk about today? No, other than thank you for allowing me to speak on your platform. And I would just encourage any dog owners, whether you've had your dog for a while or you're thinking about buying a puppy or even better, adopting, um, I would just encourage you to do all the research on your own and come to the own realizations, you know, that work for you in your own life. But definitely take a look at pooch paper and see how it compares to the rest of the axobiodegradable and, you know, quote-unquote eco-friendly products that are on the market today. Website is poochpaper.com, and our Instagram and Facebook handles are also poochpaper. There's loads of information about the sustainability, where we source our trees even, all the certifications. We have two sustainable forestry certifications as well. All that information is located on the sustainability page on our website, poochpaper.com. We're selling currently online. We're also selling at about 80 stores, boutiques, and so on throughout the country. In about one week, we'll be launching in over 1,000 Target stores and on Target.com. And Chewy just um, signed us up as well. We're done with the vendor onboarding, and we ought to be live in the next couple of weeks. Okay, that's great. So this episode's going to come out in mid-September. So I guess like a month from now. So perfect. hopefully by that's then. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for being on the podcast and telling me all about your product today and having that conversation about uh, sustainable pet ownership. I know that that's something that I've wanted to cover for my listeners for quite some time. So I'm happy that we were able to chat today. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. 
Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you want to learn more from Tracy, you can go to poochpaper.com or find them on social media under the same name. If you enjoyed today's conversation, you might also enjoy episode 38, Zero Waste and Allergies, and episode 55, Zero Waste Swaps. You can find all of those and more in our archives wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to support the work I do for this podcast and beyond, I would be so grateful if you would buy me a virtual cup of coffee, which is a way of making a small contribution to the show over at coffee.com slash Callahan. If you would like to leave a rating or review, I love to read them. They spur me forward in my content making and give me a sense of what you'd like to hear more of or have me change, so please be in touch. I hope you consider some low-waste options for your pet, and remember, if you have suggestions of your own, I'm not a pet owner, <laughs> so I would love to hear from you. Send an email to practicallyzerowaste at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at practicallyzerowastepod. Have a great week, everyone, and talk to you soon.